Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in Miller and Condon on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 106.3 FM. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours as we talk football with you. The BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this on a Monday. Scott Darkham is going to join us at the bottom of the hour from The Athletic. We will spend some more time with uh, with Iowa uh, and Northwestern, recapping that, looking ahead with Doc. He'll join us at at 10.30 from The Athletic. Uh, 11.05, Bama Bob Trent and I will go around college football. What did we see? Some of the highlights from the weekend, some of the lowlights from the weekend on a national uh, basis. We will do that at 11.05. And then Dave Sproul, he'll be just off the, the uh, Matt Campbell uh, teleconference, coaches teleconference, Big 12 coaches teleconference. He'll join us about 11.30. Look back at a uh, at a Kansas game. Not much to look back on uh, and ahead to a, a game against Baylor. I thought that the uh, for Iowa State, yes, they had a good weekend on the field mm-hmm. when it comes to them. I thought that you, I, if you're if thinking if you're a clone fan, you were rooting for the Cowboys against Texas. I think Texas all of a sudden's got some life. And you still have to face them. And you still have to face them, right. So the head-to-head clearly, I mean, you could have essentially... I don't want to say eliminated, mm-hmm. but really put their backs up against the wall. There's a cliche. How many minutes into the program, too? Um, but you almost, you know, if, if if Texas loses to the Cowboys, the likelihood of them getting that second seed is pretty much slim and none. They'd have to be perfect because six and three is going to get you I think the it's second two, right? spot. Yeah. But you give them that third loss and then they have to be perfect from here on out. Uh-huh. You're feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I think from that perspective, I agree with you. Now it is a jumbled mess, and the team playing the best is Oklahoma. I think you're right. <laughs> the Sooners. Yeah, I think you're right. I know Texas Tech. Yeah, Columbia was not good. No. Again, for no. for Texas Tech, uh-uh. the little bit of that that was I saw. Was that game 7 nothing at one point? I think it was. Is that what it was? It was a 7-zip early uh, for, for the Red Raiders. And then it quickly then, went the other way. So yeah. you got Oklahoma there. You look at what the Sooners, of course, they still have Oklahoma State and Bedlam. Mm-hmm. That game will be in Norman, though. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the schedule for Oklahoma is what they have left. Kansas, yeah, that Bedlam game yep. at home, right? They go to West Virginia, maybe tricky. Okay, I've got a different opinion of them now. And Baylor at home. Uh, okay, what's Oklahoma State got? So Oklahoma K-State State this week. Yes, that is this week for the Cowboys. Then a bye. From there, they have Bedlam. Bedlam. Yep. Texas Tech at home. Mm-hmm. At TCU. Okay, and then the makeup, and then at Baylor, which is the what was going to be championship weekend. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, I, I look at Iowa State; uh, they're they're in a great spot. Mm-hmm. They, they control their own destiny, um, clearly. But uh, I think you would have liked to have seen Texas almost eliminated because with that one, uh, they're two and three. Had it not gone their way, they're two and three in the conference. Anyways, more about that because uh, we got so much here in the first part. We'll get to the NFL at some point in the first uh, uh, first hour of the program. Maybe we'll save some time late in the first hour to discuss your Bears and dot 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 what we saw this past weekend. Matt Nagy, my God, the the, the end of the first half, Trent was just a killer. That touchdown, mm-hmm. uh, the timeout. I mean, come on, what's what's he thinking? But let's. Do the needle movers right off the bat. 
And I want to start with Iowa uh, because there's um, – look – this is just a gut. This is nothing more than a gut on, on my part here. Does it seem to you like we're witnessing the beginning of the end? Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I'm talking the about Ferenc the Ferris era. era. Yeah. yeah. It, it sure seems like that to me. And I'm not rooting for that. I'm not. I, I hope that, uh, you know, I mean, it just feels like it, though, trends. I mean, this is the play on the field. Um, uh, Brian Ferentz is play calling at some parts. Uh, the whole off-season stuff. Mark my words, the class action lawsuit's coming down the Friday of the Minnesota game. Okay. For, for ultimate effect, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that, that's going to that's gonna drop when Iowa has the Big Ten to themselves. Um, and, you know, these things, a lot of times they come down on Friday, but there's still more bad news to come because the attorneys made it perfectly clear once Iowa did not acquiesce to the demands that came out a couple of weeks, they are going to file a lawsuit. And within 24 hours, the lawsuit became a class action lawsuit. So I, I think that there's going to be more bad news. But the play on the field itself, I know Northwestern's a bugaboo, Trent, but man, oh, man. Northwestern was shooting themselves in the foot one time after another in that football game. you got you got to take care of business and win that game. And without Northwestern handing Iowa basically 14 points? That's just it. I mean, they did nothing. They did nothing. They did nothing. The, the game plan... There were some frustrations with the Purdue game. That was just a sloppy game. At least they got Smith-Marset involved in the game plan, as opposed to what happened in Baylor, because they didn't that night yeah, or did, afternoon. Yeah, didn't didn't touch the ball Purdue, yeah. in the offensive scheme. Kick returns weren't good, and mm-hmm. he was out there hollering. Now you have, of course, the OWI, and we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, Trent, that's, that's, that's just indefensible. This is... When people were talking about the issue with Brian Ferentz coming on, becoming the offensive coordinator... Mm-hmm. This is the problem with nepotism. It has, to me, very little to do with actual his resume, which I don't think was up to par to be a Big Ten offensive coordinator. But that aside, because what do you do? Kirk called him out after the game. Mm-hmm. Said that's not the way that right. we want to play. Right. He called out his offensive he coordinator. He did. Is he going to fire Brian? No. Here's some numbers for you. This year, 2020, they're number 71 in total offense. 69th in rush offense, 48th in passing offense, and 80th in third down conversion rate. Mm. That's a bad year. Two games, not a big sample size. 2019, 99th in total offense. 2018, 97th. With, with a senior quarterback. 92nd, 2018. 2017, his first year. 117th in the Jeez. country in total offense. As college football has evolved and changed, Iowa has not been able to do nope. that. They picked up the pace a little bit, mm-hmm. but in comparison to the brethren across the board, they are not at a level that's good enough, adequate, to take that next step. This five-year run has been a nice run, going back to 2015. It's been a nice run for Iowa football. But they ultimately have not been able to take that final step. They still have not won a Big Ten championship now in 16 years. 16 years. They have won one division title since they've gone to the divisions a decade ago. At Iowa, it's not good enough. Trent, they had 15, what did I read in Doc's column? 15 second half points. They've been outscored 47 to 15 in the last five Big Ten games going back to second half points. Haven't scored, 15. A, haven't scored a touchdown in the third quarter in six straight Big Ten games. It's ridiculous. It's kind of like your Bears, by the way. Your yeah. Bears in the third quarter. That's a nightmare, too. You know what? Is, is, um, should we be focusing a little bit on the offensive line, which everybody seemed was going to be a strength? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Alaric Jackson's a first-round pick? No, I don't either. Close. I don't think he's even close to that. What has happened to him? Well, he's a vegan now, and it looks that way. I mean, he looks noticeably slimmer. Mm-hmm. 
And he doesn't look good. Coy Kronk yeah, doesn't look good. No, he doesn't. And, and I told you right away, I was a surprise. Mark Kellenberger played his best game uh-huh. of his career last year at tackle yeah. in the game against USC to yeah, finish up the season. Yep. He played as high a level as we've seen him play. And now he's not out there a whole lot. Trent, the skill positions that, that Iowa came into the year with, and still have, mm-hmm. with Goodson, Sargent's running the ball well, Brandon Smith, Tracy, Reganey, Smith-Marset, um, Laporta. Sam Laporta, who's been terrific, and boy, he's become a Petrus' favorite. I wish he could get him the ball maybe between his numbers as yeah. opposed to having him reach, you know, get hit between the eight and the four periodically. Um, look, Last week, I defended Petrus. I still am to an extent. Trent, he's got to come up with a change-up. Yeah, right. I mean, it, everything's a million miles an hour. They're all fastballs. Yes. There's no touch. And think of the number of throws that he just overshot as a receiver. Time by, after time after time. Not the ones that guys were actually even able to get their hands on. And right. unfortunately, a couple of times deflect for uh-huh. interceptions. But the ones that weren't even close. This guy ramped up. And that's a guy that you have put too much on. Who does that come back to? Mm-hmm. The guy that's coordinating the offense, mm-hmm. Brian Ferentz. And this isn't, for Brian, he's not a very easy guy to like. He's nope. a little douchey. Yeah, he's, he's an a-hole. A lot yeah. of people will tell you that. Yeah. He came out, said the right things, but mm-hmm. has it changed? And I do wonder, going back to where we started, with everything that happened this summer, for the coaches walking through and trying to get these guys locked in, and after last week, all right, let's do it. They came out on fire, played well. When things go poorly, how delicate you have to be, how delicate they feel like they have to be, and how different that is from the way that coached them and gave them the mm-hmm. success that they've had over the last five years, how difficult that has to be for the coaching staff. And can you come back from it? And, and to your original point, feeling like the end of days? It seems like that to me. It yeah. seems like we're witnessing the end. Well, I... You know, you get a little hyperbolic and lost the program and those yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. I don't see that either. Here's my question about Chris Doyle, and Chris Doyle had to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no idea. The Chris Doyle I know is the Chris Doyle on game day, right? You know, when he, when he's on the sidelines and when he's not disciplining, but when he's when he's who, who's playing Chris Doyle's Saturday role now? Mm-hmm. Who is that? Do you have any any idea? No clue. No um, clue who that guy is. You know, Phil Parker, he is. Kind of dry. Mm-hmm. Sure, let's let some f bombs fly and we'll let guys know what it is. But that's him. He's the defensive coordinator. Brian's a fiery personality. Can you think of a personality like him as an offensive coordinator anywhere? When you think of offensive coordinators, you think Pretty of buttoned up. Yeah, studious. Yeah, you don't think of guys. I'm flying sure off there the has to be right. one or two, but that's a good point. That's but that's what he is and. All right, you got your both your coordinators are kind of ass kickers, and mm-hmm. then you throw Kirk Ferentz, and we know his persona in the media and what he does at press conference is much different than the guy that he is mm-hmm. when he's on a football field. Who's the other side of it? Who's the guy that is reeling them back? And is everybody trying to do that? And it's just not working. It feels like a mess. It does. How, how important is the game against Michigan State? I mean, I think they're teetering right now. I really mm-hmm. yeah. here's the good news: Minnesota couldn't stop it. They, the Minnesota's defense is absolutely putrid. I had that one right. You did. Putrid. You still got Joe Milton for Heisman stock? <laughs> yeah, no, not as much. This uh, <laughs> He sure looked good against Minnesota, not so much against Michigan State. Michigan State, now, nah, I don't know if it's going to be a letdown or not. I mean, that was. I think, yeah, I, think so. I, I think so too. They had better beat Sparty. Mm-hmm, they right. had better beat him and beat him convincingly. Uh, because if that's not the case, I mean, we're looking at a team now that, as we sit here today, you would like to think they will beat Minnesota, they will beat Illinois. 
and they will beat Michigan State this week. Nebraska game was always a toss-up, in my opinion. It was a field goal game the last two years. Precisely. Uh, Might might this team be looking down the barrel of a three-win team? Yeah, I think two And maybe playing either Rutgers or Maryland in that crossover? Two and six seems more likely even than four and four right now. Oh, for sure it does. I mean, if you had to give me a choice out of one of those two Mm -hmm. and three and five wasn't on the table, hell yeah, I'd take two and six. That's what it's looking like. They're not beating Penn State. Penn State's not great, but boy, oh boy. The thing that was incredibly frustrating watching the game to me and more of it on the fan side is I never had the hope that they were going to come back. They're down a point. Yeah. And it felt like they were never going to do enough. Trent, they were down a point. Northwestern's doing nothing Nothing, offensively. The defensive line played really well. Nixon was is Nixon all, becoming a star. He is yep. an absolute star. Yep. Benson in his first game, he looked good. I've got it in my notes. Forty four was terrific. He played well. Terrific. Yes. Neiman was doing his uh-huh. thing. Van Valkenburg made a yep. couple of plays out there. Heflin Early was, he was involved yep. in the football game. The defense played certainly good yep. enough to win that. Absolutely game. agree with you. But they couldn't do anything. How about Merriweather's the, the jolt that he laid on that kid? That was huge. Holy mackerel! And I, I was surprised they, they didn't him. show that a little bit more. He, you know what? Maybe they realized that that's, that was a whew, that just was, dropped him in his tracks. But they called him Kerner. The, the uh, announcer they? called him Kerner. It wasn't Kerner? No. Well, they weren't there. Wasuzen and oh, they weren't. No. Allison Williams was there, yeah. and she talked about the wave after the first you know quarter. What? And she was emotional. Yes. Are and you sure they weren't there? Because I thought Wisconsin got a little bit choked up too. No, because the right before the game, when they went to them in the studio, they were standing in Bristol okay. in the studio together. Okay, and that's where they caught him at two thirty-one or whatever it was. All right, and I uh, peeked over there and saw them both standing up well. and getting ready for the game to call it from the broadcast center in Bristol. So yeah, they be- weren't even there because when they went to her on the field, mm-hmm. she was really choked up. It was my uh, mom was in town this weekend. I came in on Sunday and uh, hearing her perspective, my sister's perspective, a couple of fans but aren't big football people. They hated Dan Orlovsky, and, and a lot of people did. Yeah, and I yeah, get I, that I, I, because unless you're a big football guy, and yeah, especially when the game's not going your way, right? Yeah, <laughs> that I, I completely understood it. And as I was listening to the game, I said. I guarantee I know the people that yeah. are going to hate his broadcast. Yeah. I know the people that are going to like his broadcast. Because mm-hmm. he is. He goes much deeper than your normal color guy on a broadcast. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. I do too. But I think we're we're on a different island than a lot of people that just want to watch their team. And they don't want to go that deep. But his conversations about Petrus and, and the struggles, mm-hmm. and, and he brought up a lot of really good points there. Is it time to at least think about... No. I I don't think so. I think you got to just stick with this kid. I mean, I don't know what Padilla's looked like in practice. Right. We we have no idea. Padilla's a guy that has been moves around better. Yeah, that's the one thing. He's what's not the, big. What's the one kid they're waiting on? Deuce, uh, Deuce, Hogan. Deuce Hogan, right? Yeah, the kid from Texas. Right, comes in with uh, some pedigree yeah. and he's pretty cocky too. I mean, mm-hmm. he he thinks that this is a job that he's going to be competing with maybe after redshirt year. It's a free season. Yeah, it's true. It is a free season. If they for lose everybody. this one to Michigan State. Trent, the wheels are coming off the program yeah. if they lose to Michigan State. So let's do. Our, let's talk about the uh, just egregious, uh, selfish, um, incredibly boneheaded move that Amir Smith Marset made after the football game. Seventy-four miles an hour in a thirty-mile-an-hour zone, uh, while your blood alcohol is point one three. Trent, 
I know that right now the most parents can do is the one game. It's mm-hmm. going to be up to the student disciplinary council to either agree with that or add on to that. I will be shocked. It should be one game for the 74 in the 30, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that comes the drunk driving charge. We saw this kid on the field against Purdue who had a horrible attitude. Terrible attitude. It was very apparent that they were going to make a, a correction on his usage in the game yesterday, and they did, uh, or on Saturday, rather, getting him way more involved than they should. He's one of their best players. Uh, but his attitude is poor right now. Mm-hmm. And then for him to put himself and to put the community in a spot like he selfishly did on Saturday night, that's a bad one. And yeah. this this has been a program that, yeah, they've had the moped things mm-hmm. and everything like that. But Bob Sanders got an OWI before his last season. Right. Who but, fell off the moped at one point? Oh, the offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is 74 and a 30 yeah. when you're tanked out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um it is, they got lucky, quite honestly. The program got lucky. So we talked about the coach's angle and walking on eggshells that I'm sure is happening mm-hmm. with those coaches knowing that they have to be different, they mm-hmm. have to act different. Does this come back to the players? I mean, do the players have to come out and say, no more of this crap? Yeah, I'd like it, to think that that would this, be the This case. is our program. It, is, who's the senior leader in this program that's going to do that? Right. Peters can't do that. No. No, he's he's a sophomore. Right. This isn't his program yet, and he hasn't shown it on the field. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does have to be a Davion Nixon. Maybe. And I heard from somebody that was uh, was on the field, was at Kinnick on Saturday, and they said, coming back defensively, Davion Nixon was visibly upset and verbally upset with his teammates. Like, I'm the only one busting my ass out here. What's going on? You got a guy like that? He's going to have to be the guy to stand up. Yeah. And... Another part of that, mm-hmm. he's African-American. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's the guy that needs to stand in front of the team and say, this isn't the coaches now. This is us. And if we're going to turn around this season and at least make it somewhat manageable, we got to do it ourselves. Yeah. Um, again, Saturday's game against Michigan State. Never thought we'd say this going into the year, the importance of this football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't minimize. All right. So a couple of minutes on Iowa State. They took care of business. My biggest takeaway with the game is I'm so glad I stuck around to see if Hunter Deckers or whoever would get into the yep. football game. And it wasn't Bowman. It <laughs> no, was. it was Deckers. Yep. And he traveled last week to Oklahoma State. So that was kind of an indicator because they only took one back up apparently on the road uh, to Stillwater last week. I'm glad he got in there. Um, the pass to skates was tremendous. Yeah. Uh, look, it's garbage time. I get it. But there's going to come a time, at least you would think, because it's a contact sport, that you at least you would love to have got your, your backup quarterback some playing time should things come to this. Uh, and they did. He was in there briefly, and he got rewarded. He got his payout for being you know, a good backup in practice, etc. Uh, Brees Hall is Brees Hall. He's the second high, uh, run for the second most yards in college football behind some kid at UT San Antonio. Uh, he just, week in and week out, the kid just is so much fun to watch. Um, so many other highlights in the football game, including a guy I had no idea who he was. I love when I have to go to a, to a roster. <laughs> uh, just, well, who the hell is that kid? We haven't seen much of him. Uh, Orion Vance is backup. Uh, uh, Jerry Vaughn. Number uh, 32, number 32, Jerry Vaughn. The week before was, uh, remember, was Deshaun Davis, number 43. Right. But Campbell's got some guys that he's, and this wasn't during garbage time. Mm-hmm. This was early in the football game that he's getting guys on. And maybe Vaughn has played a bunch before, and I haven't noticed him, but I certainly did against Kansas. Um, Iowa State's got some depth on that football team. They I do. get that it's Kansas. You should pound the you-know-what out of them. You did. Last week we talked about the fact that, boy, oh, boy, 
they need a WR2. They've got Hutchinson, the tight ends, and nobody else. Well, Landon Akers was a focal point of that uh, of that passing attack very early in the football game. They tried to involve Shaw uh, in the game. Uh, they got skates going later in the football game. But we have no idea how long Tariq Milton is going to be out. This day-to-day stuff that we heard <laughs> weeks ago, uh, I think we're pretty confident right now that uh, the Coach Campbell's nose was growing when he let that whopper out. So we don't know, but they need somebody, and they're going to need somebody. Look, they'll beat Baylor. They should beat Baylor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But they got some tough spots coming up. Texas and K-State after the bye, no picnics. And even as bad as Kansas State looked for most of that game against West Virginia. See, I couldn't see. I was curled up in a fetal position after (laughs) mouthing off about K-State all week. Boy, they look bad. Did they look bad? It's still Iowa State, Kansas State. No, I know. I and know. it's there has been so many yeah. just goofy games. It's like Northwestern Iowa. Yeah. Except it's a different level because I mean that one is what? I think Fitz is now nine and six against Iowa. Mm-hmm. Kansas yeah, State's won ten 20... of the last eleven. Jesus. And some just decimating losses. Just yeah. how do you lose those mm-hmm. kind of games? And even going back further than that, what was the game they were up like twenty eight nothing? They came oh, back. Oh yeah, yeah. Paul in Paul Rhodes era. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean they've they've had just these unthinkable kind of losses, and that still has to linger I for know. Kansas State. I think Iowa State's a lot better than Kansas A lot better I than do Kansas too. State. I do, too. I just wish Texas would have, for their sake, I wish Texas would have got beat. Yeah. Because I think that Texas, I, Trent, I'd love to know the betting out. What are the, can, I don't think that there would be a matchup odds. You got to take a chance, a stab. I would think Oklahoma, Texas, right now for the Big Twelve Championship, right? <laughs> yeah, it seems I, I don't like know if that. those odds are out there, but yeah, I bet that would be a oh, pretty good one. Don't give me that. Don't give me something that. different. We need a new. We flavor. need something different. Absolutely. And we Oklahoma do. State, boy, they shouldn't have lost that game. Trent, yeah. Just uh, Sam Ellinger at the end of that football game. By God, he's good. Yes, he, he is. is so good. And that Osai, that defensive end, boy, what a what a player he is. Texas is going to be tough. Texas mm-hmm. is going to be tough. And that game uh, is on Black Friday. Um, with no kickoff time yet, nope. but that's the day after Thanksgiving. That day's taken on a whole different uh, look because there's a mm-hmm. bunch of games on the day following Thanksgiving. All right, Scott Dockerman is coming up. We'll get more into that. Just real quick, one NFL note. Uh, I didn't see a ton of your Bears because the Broncos oh, yeah. were Plain playing at the same time. Uh, but what I did see about your bear from your Bears is... You know, the end of the first half, Trent, was just, how can you let New Orleans score at that point? What was Nagy doing with his timeouts? Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if um, Nick Foles, I don't think Trubisky's any better. He just provides him another, I guess, element to the offense and the fact that he can. Because there were opportunities for Foles to take the ball and tuck the ball and run for a few times. When I saw Trubisky would do that. Is it a different outcome? I don't know. But since since Trubisky has been hurt, got hurt a couple of years ago, he has not run nearly as much. And I saw some numbers on that because that is starting to grow. The people in your line of thinking, get Trubisky out there because he can move a little bit. He's not the runner we saw early in his career. We're not the runner we saw back in early 2018 when he looked at least looked like a viable quarterback. That was that almost season. his first option. Right. After he got hurt, that has not been the case. Yeah, he can move around better than Foles. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. You have Robinson's a nice weapon. Had a great touchdown catch early in the football game. They got a rookie in Mooney. He's mm-hmm. a nice player. Yeah, he is. Hey, help me out with the fight. Oh. So, so what happened there? There's, there's a lot of pieces to this fight. So, I, I hope there is because he wasn't even guarding them. No. So the first part of it is right before that, the last time that Wims was on the field, mm-hmm. a teammate 
that's safety for uh, for New Orleans, mm-hmm. come over mm-hmm. and poke through the face mask, the face of one of the teammates. I can't remember who it was. Maybe Jimmy Graham. Regardless. Okay. So that got him all fired up because he saw that But it happen. wasn't him, but he saw this yes. happen. Okay. Earlier in the game, apparently... Gardner Johnson. Gardner Johnson knocked the mouthpiece of Mims out of his mouth. They were jawing a little bit, and he slapped it out of his mouth, came under the face mask, and slapped it out. But got away with it. But got away with it. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't on the field directly after the fir- the last poke. He wasn't on the field for a while. There was change of possession. He wasn't out there because of the way that they were going in, in terms of having their second or third tight end out there. So by the time he gets back on the field, like 11 minutes had elapsed since the last sequence that he was fired up about. So he's stewing for 11 minutes. I think he went over to try to knock the mouthpiece out initially. You see that first swipe? Well, he, he to his credit... He looked like he wanted to get in. He didn't want to hit him from behind. Yep. He wanted to at least see who was about to hit him. And I think that's so what that's he was what going that was, to do. And then he missed, and he came back again. <laughs> and then he came with the the power punches. Oh my God, Trent! I, what, what's his role in the football team? I don't know much about third when. tight end. Is, is he? Yeah. So do they cut him today? I mean, Jimmy Johnson cuts him today if he's a cowboy, right? To send a mm-hmm. message to the locker room. Yeah, he's. He's a guy that's a big receiver. So Nagy do the same thing? He doesn't he have to send a message? Yeah. Out of that team, he's what, the fourth wide receiver. He's kind of that flex guy that, that can go inside a well, little bit. Well, you got Mooney and you got Miller and you got obviously Robinson. Yeah. He's then, a fourth uh, receiver. Okay. That's what he is. By the way, Robinson's touchdown? Yeah. Jesus. Cut him. Yeah, I think so, right? Now, he was sticking up for his teammates. Yeah. At least that's the theory behind it. I don't know. That's a, that's a bad look. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we've got to get to a timeout. Uh, where are the keywords? It's that time. We've got another week of keywords coming your way. It's time for another $1,000 handoff. Uh, text the keyword RICH to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. RICH to 200, 200. Scott Dawson. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Started to say Scott Dockerman will join us on the other side of this timeout. Again, the keyword is rich. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106- And their families. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Top of the hour, just past Bama Bob, Trent and I will go around college football. About an hour from now, Dave Sproul, who covers Iowa State for KASI after Matt Campbell finishes up his teleconference. Dave will join us. Right now, Scott Dockerman, our friend from The Athletic, he joins us in his what's becoming a normal spot for him. Uh, good to talk to you, Doc. Uh, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? You know, I'm doing great, guys. How about yourself? Doing fine, Scott Darkerman. Trying to figure out this Hawkeye football program, in particular the offense. But let's start off the field first before we try and solve the uh, the problems of the football team. And they got another problem with Smith Marset, who uh, Ference suspended for a game. It's my understanding that's the most he can do, and then it goes to the student disciplinary council, which may or may, and I'd be shocked if they didn't uh, tack on to that. When you consider 74 miles an hour in a 30 mile per hour zone with a blood alcohol level of 0.13. Smith-Marset looked as though he wasn't too pleased in the Purdue game. His attitude was not seemingly in the right place. Uh, What's what's, what's the future for Smith-Marset, do you think, Scott? 
Yeah, I think that's a little bit murky right now. I mean, I would imagine that he returns to the team at some point. Uh, you know, according to you know Kirk's statement, that he was apologetic and and embarrassed, and, and, and that's the least the least he could be, I suppose, after an incident like that. Uh, you know, it's very dangerous. The location that he did it is very dangerous. Uh, you know, right? You know, not that far away from the dorms and, and on. Uh, you know, on the intersection there with Riverside close to Burlington and at the bar time. So I think that's something that, uh, you know, has to be taken into measurement. But I don't know if he's going to have uh, more than one game or not. I think it depends on how his attitude is when he goes in for his counseling visits. And uh, But I think, you know, Iowa will be prepared not to have him, you know, in, you know, back maybe for two weeks, I would say, maybe longer. There's depth at the wide receiver position, something we can't always say. But Iowa, the game plan, they throw it around 50 times. Kirk was not pleased about that no. in the post game and called out his son, the offensive coordinator, Brian, and say that's not the way that we want to play. Your thoughts overall with the scheme, what they came up with, and Prime Ferentz as a whole as an offensive coordinator, the numbers are not very good even with the style that Iowa plays. Yeah, there were a lot of questions and a lot of concerns I had about Iowa after watching the, the tape and and really, I just I've, I've focused a lot more on the running game than the passing game because I think the the passing game, um, what you need to do is help your quarterback out a little bit more. And I, I don't, I'm not saying yay or nay on Spencer Peters. Clearly, he struggled. Yep. Uh, clearly, he was flustered. Uh, I was, I thought I was offensive line did a nice job of pass protection. Uh, he was only sacked once, only flushed a couple of times. He seems to be uh, trying to go through his progression. He's a young quarterback. But I, I think by and large, um, you know, how you can help him is, is have more players closer to him so he can try to hit him. But, you know, he was he was inaccurate. And I think that's something that you, you've got to be as a quarterback. You've got to hit guys when, you know, in stride in the right areas. Now, my, my question for Brian Ferentz and the whole staff is, uh, regarding some strategy in the running game, and that is when they ran out of shotgun, uh, eight carries to 47 yards. That's not bad. That's pretty good, actually. Uh, when they went traditional, uh, you know, under center, traditional Iowa, it, it was 10 of 16, and there was no jet sweep motion, like they've shown a couple of different games, or nobody came around the end and took a jet sweep handoff. Um, so you're going against the most veteran staff outside of yourselves in the Big Ten. They've played you every year since 2006. Hankowitz has been there since 2008, and before that it was Wisconsin. They know what you're going to do, and they shut you down. Give them something that they don't know. Give them something they haven't seen. Give them something different. So when they ran out of shotgun, they did all right. When they didn't, it's same old Iowa. So there was a lot of same old Iowa the other day, and uh, and I didn't really care for parents' response. I thought it was... Uh, you know, it was just coach speak, but I, I just think that there's a, there's a lot more they need to do and get to because otherwise you're going to waste the season. Yeah, uh, Doc, did you? Um, I mean, Keith Duncan's an All American for a reason, right? And okay, maybe he doesn't have as strong a leg as Shuda. And Shuda's kid had plenty of length, and it hit the upright for crying out loud. It was an awful day. Uh, Duncan had made a, I think, a, a kind of a knuckleball, but it went through. Uh, as we look back and we see the score. Uh, did they run the right kicker on? Should we be nitpicking there? Is that something you can understand why they went that way? 
it's not. I'm not going to question him on that. I mean, I, I do think Caleb Shudik's a good kicker, and, and it's easy to, to point at that. Hey, they didn't make it, and if he would have made it, they would have won, and that sort of thing. And I, I get that, but I really think that Caleb Shudik's a quality kicker. And in and, and Iowa's uh, case, you know, they would be blessed if he decides to stick around for an extra year. Uh, you know, it was a pretty stiff win, yep. and, and watching it from the press box on that 47 yarder that Keith Duncan kicked. I mean, it really barely went over. I didn't think it was going to, actually. And and I looked at Caleb Shudek, and that kick, you know, he hit the upright. Uh-huh. He had you know, plenty he had, of distance. He had, yeah, he had some English on it. I mean, it was like curving back in, and all of a sudden, you, you know, a foot one way, and shoot, they, you know, they're up 23 to 14 at halftime, and who knows? I mean, I, they, they probably could have lost still, but but I, I, I wouldn't. That's not one of the things I, I'm really questioning them about right now. Scott Dotterman joining us from The Athletic as we take a look back at the Hawkeyes. Defense played well. Yeah, there were a couple of plays in the game overall that you could look back upon, but Nixon was an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. The linebackers played well. Benson. As a whole, it was a plus effort out of the defense here. Your thoughts uh, defensively looked like at least maybe building a little bit more depth with that defensive line. I think they're okay. I don't think they're great. Except for Davion Nixon, I think he is, mm-hmm. you know, is as good of a defensive lineman as I was had, and that includes Epineza and some of the others. Uh, to see what he's, how he's been able to dominate in these two games, where teams are double teaming him, he's splitting double teams, and even if he doesn't get a tackle, he's flushing the running back. He's doing something that's just, uh, you know, really otherworldly for that position. So his play has been, you know, I expected it to be very, very good. And he's probably even exceeded that. Um, I do have some concerns for Iowa on the edge, and specifically where they replaced Nate Epineza. It just seems like there's um, they're not very disciplined, and they get hooked very easily, which is why Northwestern was able to run the way it did, especially in the second quarter. So I do think there's some work to be done there. I don't know how you get that altered or changed, but um, I thought pass rush was better. Um, so I, I think the defense is coming around. And I don't think there's a team on the schedule that they can't beat or at least compete with. It's just a matter of uh, probably, you know, just shoring some things up on that side of the ball and uh, in, in the defensive ends, kind of staying home a little bit more often and not getting hooked. Doc, uh, it just, as I just spoke earlier, I don't want to put words in Trent's mouth. I, I, it just feels different. It feels like we're witnessing the beginning of the end to me, especially if it continues to go bad. Uh, so to that end, the, the, the importance of Michigan State just go up to a whole new level with the 0-2 start. Look, Minnesota can't stop anybody. Uh, they play them on the following Friday night. The game's on the road at uh, TCF Bank Stadium, but re- regardless, um, there can't be anybody there. But this Michigan State game, especially what Michigan State was able to do now, I would think that they would let down after beating their in-state rival. But the importance of this one, Doc, did you... I mean, nobody saw Game 3 of the 2020 season against the team that you should crush at least preseason expectations, the importance of this one's at a whole new level. Yeah, it is, and I think it's not really based on what you and I have to say. It's based on the team itself. Is the team going to continue to buy in? And, you know, when you throw on two losses after a really volatile offseason and uh, chaotic offseason, mm-hmm. and you have one of your best players arrested uh, and, and suspended, I, I think – it really adds to the, you know, do they have enough camaraderie? Do they follow him enough, uh, the coach enough, you know, all of them, 
Uh, do they believe in them? Will they play hard for them? Will they still work? Will they listen? All those things, because I think that's what makes it essential. If they go out and they blow out Michigan State, then I think you'll feel like, okay, they've got a chance to really um, you know, be a solid team. They were just close in their first couple of games, and, and they'll get through it. If not, if they don't play well, if they if they infight, if you know, offense versus the defense or, you know, the running backs and receivers versus the quarterback and the whole line. If you get those kind of issues, then it could spiral out of control. And then you got to look across and say, uh, is, is the end here? Yeah. And we know what that means. Um, but I, so I do think there is, it is somewhat of a crossroads. And I wrote a little bit about that today because, you know, as you said, you know, Minnesota is a team that I think Iowa can compete with, you know, it does every year. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if they're two and two after that game, and, and then you're going to, to Penn State, and I don't think Penn State's unbeatable. I think they're probably weaker than they've been in a while. Mm-hmm. I think this team's got a chance to, to do some things, but you know, but we also have to you know wait and and see what happens Saturday before we can kind of justify you know putting them in a good spot. Daca, with that Spencer Petrus, if it goes poorly again. How short is the leash? If Iowa looks up and they're down 17-3 at the half, could we get our first look at Padilla? Could it be the freshman Deuce Hogan, or does he have a lot more room than that? I didn't get the sense that they were even contemplating any kind of changes. And so if you do that, then you really put yourself in a tough spot, yeah. especially in a year like this mm-hmm. that's all uh, you know, just condensed and, and chaotic in its own right. So I'm, I haven't gotten that sense that they're willing to even entertain that thought. I think they're willing to write it out. But I do think, you know, and I'm not hyperbolic when it comes to quarterbacks or, or coaches and that sort of thing, but I do think if he continues to miss open receivers and look uncomfortable and unsettled in the pocket when the protection's pretty good by and large, then I think you, you at least have to entertain that thought because um, – you do got to give your other guys a chance because I think the line play has been very good, and I think the running game has been good when it's been a, when they call it in the right way. And I think the receivers have underperformed, but I think part of that's Petrus as well. So I do think that they've got to make sure that Spencer Petrus feels better, comfortable, more confident, and and tell him to let it fly. Because if not, then I would if if it's if he has another performance like he did on Saturday this coming Saturday, and they lose then I think you've got to start looking and, and realizing that something else may be in the card. Mm. Who's the best team in the Big Ten West? <laughs> I'm going to still go with Wisconsin, yeah. um, you know, because uh, nobody's beat them yet <laughs> except COVID. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if they play this weekend, I, I would expect that they would win against Purdue. I don't know if they will or not, but I do think they're the best in the West. Um, but I would say Northwestern's probably second. Yeah, the um, Peyton Ramsey's a difference makes a difference when they got a quarterback. No doubt about that. Um, Scott Dockerman from the Athletic Doc, appreciate it. We'll talk to you uh, next Monday. Appreciate it, Scott Dockerman. Have a good one, guys. You do the same. Doc from the Athletic, you can uh, re- uh, subscribe to the Athletic. It is the future of sports journalism, in my opinion. Great read. Uh, if you are a fan of any sport, you'll, for the most part, find a, a dedicated columnist uh, that will give you. What you need as far as your uh, reading material. We will take a timeout. Want to do some NFL? Uh, as long as we don't have to talk about the Bears. And no, I still have something on the Bears I want to get to. Okay. In overtime, yep. Sean Payton, what are you thinking there kicking that field goal? 
that was one of the most baffling things. We'll get into that in a whole lot more NFL. Okay, we can we can do that. Um, did Nagy call a timeout in the overtime? He did, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't get his timeout usage. I don't think he does either. I'm not sure he does. Boy, the uh, you know what, Trent? Um, even if this team does find a way to get into the playoffs. I think we're going to see some wholesale changes. Quarterback, GM, and coach. Yeah. One fell swoop. We'll do, do a little NFL conversation. Bama Trent and I go around college football at 11.05 and Dave Sproul and Iowa State. Mr. Monday Night's got an appearance to make as well. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Look back at the NFL from uh, yesterday, our final few minutes here of hour number one, a college football conversation. Plenty of it still to come in hour number two. Uh, your biggest takeaway from yesterday in the NFL, do you want to start with your Bears? You well, some more, some more you want to get off your chest? Just Sean Payton. There's a minute 40 left in overtime. Uh-huh. You just get a first down. The Bears have one timeout left, and you send out your field goal team on first down. Why don't you run the football three times there, and at the very least, if that field goal is missed, you tie. Mm-hmm. If that field goal is missed, mm-hmm. the Bears can Bears go down, kick a field goal, and, and win the game. Mm-hmm. It's unthinkable. That is... That's coaching malpractice. Thing. I, I I'm with you. I never thought of that, but you, but you're right because he did make it. But he did uh, make good, it. Good right. point. It could have been backfired. Uh, Santos uh, at the end of it having to kick twice. That mm-hmm. was that was good to see out of a Bears kicker. Yes, um, I was not very optimistic about those kicks. <laughs> so what 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 do we make of the Green Bay Packers laying an egg against the Viking? It was the Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, Cook show. Yeah, right? That's what it was. Dalvin Cook is a superstar, uh-huh. and he showed it on the field. Outside of that, though. Do we read too much? Yes, it was at home, but what does home mean anymore? It's weird to see Lambeau totally yes. empty, though. I mean, you can say that about a lot of stadiums, mm-hmm. but Lambeau, there's some of the shots from Lambeau. That was my early game. That and uh, Pittsburgh-Baltimore yeah. was a fun game early. Which looked like Baltimore was going to run away. It did, early in the football game. You know who I can't get enough of, and I watch more of this than I should have because who cares about Tennessee and Cincinnati? Uh-huh. I can't get enough of Joe Burrow. You're not alone in that. There's a lot of Joe Trent, Burrow Trent, I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. And that offensive line finally is getting a little more healthy. Better. Yes. It's still not good, but no. got a guy back, another guy that had been playing with injury. Looks like he's getting a little healthier. And here's the dirty secret. Tennessee stinks defensively. What has happened to them the last two weeks? They're just awful. They're still going to be able to score. Uh-huh. Dan Hill's nice quarterback. Henry, of course, can yep. run it. They're going to be fine there, but that defense, they have a lot of work to do. Maybe they'd be a team interested in bringing in a former Hawkeye. Hooker's played pretty well for him. He has, yeah. And Desmond King on the trading block, yeah, according you know to Adam what? Schefter. That broke yesterday. It didn't say that he... It said he was not going to... Not injury-related, but he wasn't going Inactive. to play. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that putting two and two together prior to the game yesterday uh, looked as though King... Because he hasn't been happy there, No, right? he has not, no. And I have no idea how that team lost, by the way. I mean, they had the Broncos all day long. Yeah. I'm Trent, if, I have no idea... What the misery that the Chargers have felt about their team this year. Every, week after week, they're blowing 21 point leads. They easily could be 6 17. and 1. They should be 6 and 1. Yeah. Drew Locke looked like garbage. The Denver media was tweeting at halftime that it's time to go to Ripon. It's time for a change of quarterback. Drew Locke is not the answer. And here he comes. And here he comes. How about a game where you uh, have 31 first downs versus 8? 
471 yards versus 145. The Dolphins Rams. And you lose by double digits. 28-17. Golf was awful in the first half of that one. Mm-hmm. I told you I hated the spot for the Rams. And even in a game where Tua didn't do a whole lot. No, he really didn't. It was special teams, defensive touchdown, and that was enough as they held on. But 471 mm-hmm. to 145 in total yards. Did the Cowboys cover? They didn't, did they? they so did now not. they're 0 and 8. 0 and 8. Only the third time team all time Jeez. that have done that. I think 2003 is the last team, and there was one other, at least over the last 40 years of NFL, that have started 0 and 8 against the number. All right, knee jerk reaction. Not. Um... Not knowing what's going to happen tonight to Tampa Bay. And by the way, Chuck Hartley just texted me. He's going to join us tomorrow at 11. Oh, great. To help us on the, uh, quarterback, the quarterback stuff. Situation. Yeah. Thank you, Chuck. Footwork. Yep. You know, Petrus early on, Orlowski was talking about him. Likes that pitter-patter. Uh-huh. Didn't like it as much as the game went yeah. on. So so the NFC, with, with what Seattle was able to do to uh-huh. San Francisco, who had been playing pretty well. By the way, Kittle and Garoppolo both didn't finish that football game. I saw that. Uh does Seattle now move to the top of you know our Mediacom power rankings for the NFC? I mean, we don't know what Tampa's going to do tonight. I still don't like that defense. I, you I'm still ta- don't like I'm the Tampa. Seattle defense. Yeah, the Seattle. I'm Tampa. Right. Tampa's my number one team. Now, if they go out and win 17-16 in an ugly game, mm-hmm. I will change that. But Is AB playing tonight? I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen anything official. I wouldn't think so. What do you- uh, I thought it was next week, but yeah. I think they left the door open. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Tampa is the most complete team. Mm-hmm. Seattle's defense is still so bad. And mm-hmm. we'll see when they get Adams back. They'll be a different team defensively and be much better, I think, on that side. But it's Tampa for me. The most complete team in the I'm, NFC. I'm with you. Tampa 1, Seattle 2, who's 3. Well, it was Green Bay prior to yesterday. But is there anybody else that you want to put above them? Uh, well, I like San Fran. New Orleans is five and two. Yeah, I don't. I mean, do, do you watch New Orleans yeah. start to finish? Do you think that's not, a contender? Caprice isn't very good anymore. He's not. He's not. Now he's without his two top receivers. Uh-huh. Thomas coming back this week apparently. Yep. Well, is Sanders? He's hurt. How long though? I don't know. Because I, I think or is he, he a COVID? I. He's out. He's out. Yeah. He's out. How about the Cardinals? They're five and two. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they had a bye week, right? Yeah, they they were coming off a bye. Anyways, well, um, a lot of football left to be played, thankfully. This Thursday nighter is a good one. Oh, it's a short week for San Fran and Kittle and Garoppolo, as we just talked about. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, that's the Thursday night game. Packers favored by Packers, two and a half in the opening they? number. What's the rest of the primetime week look like? So, uh, Sunday night will be Saints-Bucks. Good. Yeah. yeah. And Patriots-Jets Monday night. Oh, poor ESPN. <laughs> Boy, they get some stinkers, don't they? That that is. Uh, before we go to break, uh, let's real quick. So we got Valley Dowling this week. Again. We do, yeah. How, how good is that? That is incredible. It'll be a Drake Stadium for that one. Looking forward to that. No, will you be there? I will be at Southeast Polk. They welcome in Cedar Rapids Kennedy. Okay. Be doing that game for CISN with the live video and also the replay here on KXNO. So haven't the roles the roles kind of reverse here? Because isn't it Valley that usually starts out well and uh-huh. Dowling plays their best football at the end? Valley's playing pretty well after a stinker yes. of a start to their season. The offensive line started to figure it out. Getting a little bit of time, and even without Jake Rubley, the four-star mm-hmm. quarterback, they're remember their quarterback. He was playing defense right. up until right. they deemed uh, Rubley ineligible to play. He's getting a lot more comfortable back there. 
Should be a fun game. It'll be interesting. I think it's going to look much different than what we saw back in week two. Yeah, that was what? It was, wasn't much of a game at all. Did they get shot out? Yeah. That's what I thought. I remember that. 20 nothing. And we'll get the rematch. Ankeny Waukee, the only loss of the season for the Hawks, came against the Warriors. So because of that, Waukee gets to host that game. Fun night. The final night of lights being on across Central Live before the action moved to the Dome. Of course... Stacy and Lawful Hulse will have you covered here on Friday night. We've got uh, Hour 2 coming up next. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.